rose again from the dead. For about 40 days after his resurrection, the word of God says that uh, he appeared to the disciples and many people saw him uh, at that time, even up to at one point over 500 people. Um, And then after that, he ascended uh, into heaven, which we talked about already. And then for 10 days, the disciples were waiting uh, in the upper room, waiting for the Holy Spirit. And so we're looking at the day of Pentecost. Today's the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost. It's still a a celebration, a feast celebration uh, for the Jewish people as well. Um, And I won't go into all of that today. It's probably something for another day or maybe even in your life groups. Um, But in the Old Testament, we read of different experiences and different things that happened that I think also foreshadowed into what was happening uh, on the day of Pentecost. We read about the Tower of Babel in the book of uh, Genesis and how they were all in one language hoping to build a tower to get into heaven. And the Lord came down and confused their language and very much the opposite of what happened on the day of Pentecost. Uh, They confused their language and they were they were separated, and so in confusing their language and causing division, the complete opposite happened on the day of Pentecost where there were multitudes of tongues and there was unity that came after that. Uh, In the book of Joel, there was a prophecy that said this, then after doing all of those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Any dreams or visions happening? Let me know. In those days, not right now, not dreams right now, though. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so it was pointing towards what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost when the, as the people were in that upper room, there was about 120 of them. They were waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had promised, I need to go away to my Father, and when I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And so they were waiting there in that upper room, and as they were waiting and praying and asking the Lord for the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, uh, as Pam read for us in the scripture, we won't read it again, but tongues of fire came upon them and sat upon each and every one of them, and they started to speak in other languages. And people thought that they were drunk. People thought that all of this that was happening, these are crazy people. But then Peter stood up, and he gave an amazing message, uh, an amazing sermon that caused people to turn away from their wicked ways and turn towards the Lord Jesus. Uh, When the children of Israel, in their journey from uh, Egypt, they were set free uh, during the Passover, which points to the crucifixion of Jesus and how Jesus was the sinless, spotless lamb that uh, came to take away the sins of the world. And so they celebrated that Passover there in Egypt when the death angel came and passed over the houses of the children of Israel, and they were protected, and they celebrated this Passover. But then as they left Egypt and as they journeyed through the wilderness, they came to Mount Sinai and they actually came to Mount Sinai and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God came down upon Mount Sinai 50 days afterwards and and points forward to what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. And so the experience of salvation there, of redemption through the Passover, pointing forward to the experience of the Holy Spirit being poured out, the Spirit of God coming down when the the Spirit of God came down on Mount Sinai. And so you see different things. In the Old Testament, you see the story of Elijah. We'll get to that in a moment where fire came down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice 
uh, that was there as there were many people during Elijah's days that were turning away from the living and true God. And so Elijah offered this sacrifice and fire came down and caused people to turn back to the living and true God. And so friends, as we're here today on the day of Pentecost, we want to invite the Holy Spirit. Can you pray with me just an ancient prayer? We've prayed this year before, but I just want us to give some space and room and opportunity for the Holy Spirit here who's with us. It's a simple prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Can we try that? Come, Holy Spirit. Let's pray that again. Let's close our eyes. We're here in the presence of the Lord. and Let's invite the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, as we look to your word, enlighten our eyes and our understanding that we may see the beauty of Jesus and the power of the Spirit working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you to pray that prayer every single day. When you wake, when you wake up in the morning, come, Holy Spirit. As you're going through trials and difficulties in your work, school, wherever it might be, come, Holy Spirit. In the evening, before you go to bed, Come, Holy Spirit. Invite the Spirit of God. This is a promise that Jesus made to the disciples. It's a promise for us as well. When, when Peter preached a, a message on the day of Pentecost, and it brought conviction to the people, and the people responded and said, Peter, what should we do? And he said, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he said this, this promise is to you and to your descendants and to all those whom the Lord our God shall call. Friends, the Holy Spirit is a blessing, is a promise, is, is a gift given to us. And so what I'd like to share with us this morning is a few different things that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit really comes to empower us. We can't live this life based on our own strength or our own ability or our own, um, uh, our own power. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit. So here's a few things that I think the Holy Spirit really does, as we can see from, from Acts chapter 2 and the first few chapters of the book of Acts. I'm just looking uh, there during the early church to see what sort of things was the Holy Spirit actually doing in those first few chapters of Acts, the first part of the early church. What are some of the things that we can see that were distinct qualities or distinct works of the Spirit that we can see were a result of Pentecost? Because Pentecost, you can see, is, is really a, a, a turning point for the disciples. We see one way, you see them throughout Jesus' ministry, and these guys, these, guys, these uh, disciples, you know, they made so many mistakes, they did so many things wrong, and you were probably, people are probably thinking, like, these guys are the ones that are going to take the mission of Jesus all around the world? Like, no hope. And then Pentecost comes, they are empowered by the Spirit, and then you see, like, are these the same people? Is this the same Peter? Is this the same John? 
Is this the same James? And we see something amazing and distinct. So let me, let me share a few, uh, a few points. Number one is the Spirit empowers us to understand his word. How many here you'd like to understand the word of God a little bit better? Right? I think all of us, right? So we need to invite the Holy Spirit to come. The disciples, when they lived and walked with Jesus for those three and a half years, there's so many times that we see that they just didn't understand what Jesus was teaching. So much of Jesus' teaching just went over their head. Jesus had to go back to them and explain a parable or explain an experience. There are so many times when Jesus was even trying to say things plainly and they couldn't comprehend it. Even when Jesus predicted his death and resurrection, they didn't understand that, right? And they were saying, no, 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 that's not going to happen. But here, look what John says in John chapter 16. When the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit teaches us. He will guide us into all truth. Friends, I want to encourage you that as you read the Word of God, when you start, maybe in the morning or whatever time you're reading God's Word, before you start reading God's Word, you open up the Scriptures and say, come, Holy Spirit. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Help me to see the beauty of your Word. Acts 2 verse 42 says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. You might have read this verse many times, and I was reading this verse this week, and I thought, if I was there in the early church, would I be devoting myself to the apostles' teaching? It sounds nice to us 2,000 years ago, but during that time, these people, these, these disciples, they had no idea. Jesus would be quoting from the Old Testament, went over their head. Jesus would tell a parable of how they should live, went over their head. This upside-down kingdom, the way of Jesus, his humble kingdom way was totally foreign to the disciples. They didn't understand it. They were looking for a Messiah that would come as a conquering king, establish Israel as the predominant kingdom in the world, and take them forward and kick out the Romans and all of these things that they were waiting for. And then Jesus comes with a completely different mindset, a completely different worldview, a completely different perspective and outlook, and it just went over their heads. And now you're telling me we're just going to follow what these guys are doing? What was the difference? They were empowered by the Spirit, to understand the Word of God. Peter, Peter preached a message. Peter got up there uh, in, in, Act, in Acts chapter 2. We read a portion of that scripture, but I encourage you to read the rest of that, that whole chapter. Peter got up there. He's quoting Old Testament passages, the book of Joel. He's quoting this and that. And, and everyone's probably like, Peter, is this the same Peter that was denying the Lord just a few weeks ago? How was this man who denied Jesus now all of a sudden going into deep doctrine, deep teaching, quoting the Old Testament, saying this is really what's happening? It was because of the empowerment of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was teaching them the Word of God. They relied on, they depended on the Holy Spirit. There are so many times in the early church where they had to make crucial, critical decisions of how the church would go forward. And they didn't have... Jesus right there to say, okay, this is what we're going to do, just like they had Jesus beside them for three and a half years. They relied and depended on the Holy Spirit to teach them, guide them, and lead them. And friends, we can do the same. We can rely and depend on the Holy Spirit. They started to understand, after the day of Pentecost, they started to understand the upside-down nature of God's kingdom. 
After the day of Pentecost, they started to understand who this King Jesus really is and what his mission and purpose was all about. Number two, the Spirit empowers us to pray. If you need help with your prayer life like I need help with my prayer life, then we need the Holy Spirit to help us. They, they started, as we read that verse in Acts 2, verse 42, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching and at the end to prayer. They were going from house to house and they were praying. They realized the fundamental, critical nature of prayer and how prayer is so important to everything that they did. But a few weeks before that, what was happening? <sighs> Garden of Gethsemane. Falling asleep in Jesus' most difficult time. In Jesus' most, um, uh, the, the heart-rending prayer of Jesus, hoping that his disciples would watch and pray with him, what were the disciples doing? They were sleeping. These same disciples who were sleeping, a few weeks later are holding all-night prayer meetings. The same disciples who are slumbering and sleeping are putting such a value on prayer that they're emphasizing that as part of the apostles' teaching and going from house to house and praying with one another? Yeah, it is. Why? It was because of the empowerment of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit will teach us and empower us to pray. In Romans chapter 8, it says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. See, the Holy Spirit is there to be our helper, to intercede for us. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I've been in those situations where I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to ask. I don't know how to express it. But it's the Holy Spirit that within us can pray for us. These same disciples who are prayerless disciples, these same disciples who went to Jesus at one time and said, Lord, teach us to pray because we don't know how to do this. All of a sudden, the empowerment of the Spirit comes upon them. And they put such a high value on prayer. And the Holy Spirit helps them to pray. Number three, the Spirit empowers us to speak. Now, this is really important. I'm not talking about speaking here like a, preaching a message. Because remember what we talked about last Sunday? That we should be disciple-making disciples? Well, even to talk to that one person, as we challenged you last week to do, to talk to one person, to disciple one person, to touch our world through Jesus one life at a time, to even do that, I don't know about you, but I need the empowerment of the Spirit to help me to speak. I need the empowerment of the Spirit to give me the words to be able to say. Peter, on that day of Pentecost, the Spirit came down and empowered him, and he preached boldly the Word of God. The same man that, that, that a few weeks before that, when people came and said, Peter, you look like a follower of Jesus. No, 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 that's not me. Oh, I think you were, with, you were with Jesus, weren't you? No, 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 that's not me. That was somebody else. The same man who denied Jesus stood up before thousands of people and boldly declared the gospel that was going to be so countercultural to them 
that was going to be so unique and extraordinary to them. That was going to be so, they were already in a position where they were thinking these guys are all drunk. And then Peter gets up there and preaches boldly. How was he able to do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, it says this. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. The disciples were gathered together. They started to pray. And they were all filled with the Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says, then they preached the word of God with boldness. Friends, I'm not talking about whether it's in a small group or whether it's here uh, if you're preaching on a Sunday or anything like that. I'm just talking about one-on-one. To make disciples, to be disciple-making disciples, to touch our world through Jesus one life at a time, we need the empowerment of the Spirit to be able to speak boldly. It's one of the first things on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down and it came down with as, as tongues of fire upon them. And what was the first thing that the Holy Spirit took control of? Was it their hand that made them raise up their hand and, and worship the Lord, praise you, Lord? Was it their feet to make them go out and, and, and share the gospel? No. What was the first body part that the Holy Spirit took, took control of? Their tongue. Their tongue was the first part of the body that the Holy Spirit took control of so that they could speak the wonderful words of God. So they could speak the praises of the Lord. And so we need to yield to the Spirit that way as well. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, empower my speech that I might speak the words of God. Do you find it hard to share your faith with others? Do you find it hard to share the love of God with others? Do you find yourself maybe timid, fearful, uncertain how, how this might go? Can I encourage you to be filled with the Spirit of God? Be filled with the Spirit of God and he'll fill you with boldness. Number four, the Spirit empowers us to be generous. This was something that was very unique in the early church, that there was so much generosity that was going on because they were filled and empowered by the Spirit. In Acts 4 as well, it says, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. There was this communal living that was happening. There was this sharing one with another. They had a burden to help those that were in need. They realized that the outpouring of the Spirit, the empowerment of the Spirit, caused them to live such generous lives. A couple of verses down, it says, there was no needy people among them. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? There's needy people among us. I just read you some stories of people within our own community that, as Nancy shared, in Master's Pantry, they're needy people, and thankfully, we're able to help some of those people. But it says that there were no needy people among them because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Now, I'm not telling you to sell your house or, or, or anything like that, but what I'm saying is that there was such a spirit of generosity that was there. It was amazing to live probably during that time as they loved one another and cared for one another. It talks about Barnabas, that he sold some land and came and gave it for the work of the ministry that was there. But I think the key and critical quality here that we need to understand, why were they able to live such generous lives? Why were they able to live in a way that they shared things in common? I think it's because of this verse in 1 Corinthians 12. But we all have been baptized into one body, by one spirit, and we, are all, and we all share the same spirit. 
I think when the Holy Spirit came down and filled them, when the Holy Spirit empowered them, when the Holy Spirit took control of their lives, they realized that we are part of a body of believers now. We are part of a, of a community of faith. We are part of a, of, of a group of people that live and work and walk together following Jesus. And so let's support one another. Let's be there for one another. There was this outpouring of the spirit that happened. There was such a, a spirit of generosity because they realized that their brothers and sisters were all together with them on this journey of faith as members of the body of Christ. And we are that today as well. It transcends generations and transcends time that we are still part of that body of believers. We are part of the body of Christ and we support one another. We pray for one another. We walk with one another. We are there for one another in good times and in bad times. If you look back in the Old Testament, the story of Elijah, there was a time when Israel was, was fleeing uh, the living and true God. They weren't worshiping the Lord. Many of them were worshiping Baal, and this broke Elijah's heart. And Elijah was a man led by the Spirit. We see in the Old Testament at times when the Spirit of God came upon certain prophets and certain people and inspired them and moved them and caused them to do things that were unique and different, caused them to do things uh, that was only possible through the power of the Spirit of the Lord. And so the Spirit of God came upon Elijah, and he came and he challenged the prophets of Baal because Israel had gone away. They were worshiping Baal, and he challenged them to a contest, and he said, let's go up to Mount Carmel, and both of us will call on our gods, and whoever calls on the Lord and God answers by fire, that is the living and true God. And so the prophets of Baal took up this challenge, and they said, okay, we'll do that. And so they came up to the altar. They came up to that mountain, and he let the prophets of Baal go first. And I think this story also foreshadows the New Testament time and the outpouring of the Spirit because the fire came down similar to the fire coming down like, cloven, like, like tongues, tongues of fire. And in the Word of God, we see fire often used as a, as a metaphor to speak about the Holy Spirit, the sanctifying work of the Spirit, the, the cleansing work of the Spirit. And so Elijah's there, he's, he's, uh, he gives the prophets of Baal first opportunity. They're calling on their God, they're doing things, they're cutting their flesh, they're crying out, they're doing all this, and Baal is not answering. And, and then Elijah has his turn. Now there's a, a drought going on throughout the land. There's no water, right? There's a, there, there's a huge drought. Rain, it hasn't rained for years. And so Elijah comes and builds the altar, this altar. He builds an altar to the Lord. And then do you know what he does next? Can someone tell me? What do you think? Is, he pours water on the altar. In a time of drought, what is the most valuable resource? Water. You might as well just put some money on the altar and let the fire come and burn that up. Because in a time of drought, Elijah expresses this aspect of generosity which we see in the early church as well. As he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, as he's moved by the Holy Spirit, in offering a sacrifice to the Lord, in wanting God to answer by fire, Elijah realizes, I need to be generous to the Lord. Similar to David, if you remember the story of David, at one point he's trying to build an altar to the Lord at a certain place, and, another, and he's trying to buy some things to build an altar, and the, the person says, I'll give it to you for free. And, and David's, King David says, no, no, no. I won't give to the Lord anything that doesn't cost me something. 
And so at that time, Elijah says, it's interesting, right? Look at this verse. Then he said, fill four large jars with water. I don't know where he got the water from in the first place. And pour the water over the offering and the wood. Actually, when I was in Israel a few years ago, they said that there used to be like a, a, particularly around this area in Mount Carmel, there was possibly like a spring that was there and that's possibly where he got some of that water. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. What do you think all of these other people around Elijah are, are thinking? Right? They're thinking, Elijah, you've lost it here. Do you know how valuable that water is for our crops? for drinking, for doing all of these things that we can't do because we're in the middle of a drought for years that it hasn't rained? Elijah, what are you doing? You're wasting that water. Elijah was preparing for fire. He was preparing for the Spirit of God. He was preparing for something extraordinary to happen. And friends, we see this intertwined, this spirit of generosity and this outpouring of sacrifice. And that's what happened in the early church as well. When the Spirit of God was poured out, people lived sacrificial lives. When the Spirit of God was poured out, people said, forget what I'm doing. I'm going to walk and serve the Lord. Forget about what's happening to me. I need to get the gospel out there. Forget about what's happening to me. There is a great commission that needs to be fulfilled. Whatever the cost, whatever it takes, I'm willing to sacrifice all of that to fulfill the will of God. Friends, can we have such a sacrificial attitude as well? Maybe we find ourselves living in a, in a time where we're just very comfortable. Can you pray a prayer like this? Come, Holy Spirit. And make me uncomfortable so I can do your will. Can we make a sacrifice for Jesus? I don't know what the Lord is speaking to you. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you at this time. But whatever it might be, you see that happening in the early church. They were willing to live sacrificial lives. You see that the apostle Paul and Barnabas, when they were, when they were praying and they said, separate, the spirit of God said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them to do. And it was a difficult work that was filled with stonings, that was filled with hardships, that was filled with so much sacrifice in prisons. But they were willing to do that because as they sacrificed, the spirit of God was moving in amazing and wonderful ways. Can we be, like the early church, a community of sacrifice? Can we be, like the early church, a community of people, a people of faith that trust the Lord and are willing to sacrifice, and the fire of God can come down? Can we prep the altar, the altar of our lives, the altar of what we are bringing and, and giving to the Lord. Let's give to the Lord not something. It, it can be painful, and many times it is. As David said, I won't give to the Lord anything that doesn't cost me something. And God answered by fire. Number five, the Spirit of God, the Spirit empowers us to produce fruit. Now, I just want to look at one person in particular, and that's John. Many of us know John now, to be what? The apostle of love. Anyone here know John to be the apostle of love? Right? You read through his gospel of John. You read through 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. John is amazing. You know, apostle of love. Right? Revisionist history, that is. 
Why? Because at one time, Jesus called John and James, what? Sons of thunder. Their anger was so much. They were sons of thunder. They weren't Christ-like. They weren't loving. He called them sons of thunder. There was one time when James and John came to Jesus and said, Jesus, don't let the other disciples know, but hey, can you let us sit on your right hand and left hand when you come in glory? What pride that these people had. What pride that John, John the apostle, whom we know as the apostle of love, what pride that he had to say, hey, Jesus, I want to sit at your right hand. Can I have that place? There was one time when they were traveling and they had to go, uh, Jesus was traveling with his disciples to a place where the Samaritans were and the Samaritans rejected Jesus and didn't want Jesus to come there. So James and John goes to Jesus and what do they say? Hey, Jesus, you want us to call some fire down from heaven and kill all these people? Does that sound very Christ-like to you? That was our good friend John, the apostle of love, asking Jesus if he could call down fire from heaven to consume these people because they rejected Jesus. But what happened to John? The empowerment of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, as John yielded his life to Jesus, as John yielded his life to the power and work of the Spirit of God, his life started to change. That's why in Galatians chapter 5, it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but I still got a lot of work to do on a lot of those ones. So that's why I need to keep praying. Come, Holy Spirit, change me. Transform me. We see afterwards, right after in the book of Acts chapter 3, Holy Spirit comes down in Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, they're empowered by the Spirit. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John. Peter and John go into the temple. What do they see? They see a man that was lame. And they look on him with what? Eyes of compassion. That same John that was ready to call down fire on on those other people? The same John that wanted the right hand of Jesus? The same John that was called with his brother sons of thunder? Now after the day of Pentecost, his compassion on people. Friends, it's the power and work of the Holy Spirit to change our lives. The Spirit empowers us to operate in his gifts. Peter and John saw that lame man at the temple and they said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the gift of healing was in operation at that time. Friends, God has given to us gifts through the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives to us gifts. And what are the gifts for? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can delight in that gift and get to sit at the right hand of the Father? To each of us, a gift is given so that everyone will look at us and think how holy and amazing that we are? No. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help one another. Friends, can I challenge you today? Can I exhort you today? Can I ask you today, what is the gift that God has given to you that you are using 
to help one another? What is the gift that God has given to you, the spiritual gift, administration, discernment, faith, giving, healing, helping, prophecy, uh, hospitality, knowledge, leadership, mercy, serving, teaching? I told you the story when I was in England. This guy from Australia who I don't know, and he doesn't know me, came behind me, put his arms uh, on my shoulders, and prophesied to me. I am so thankful today that he stepped out in faith and used that gift of prophecy to speak into my, li- into my life. He was operating and using that gift to help me. It helped me because he moved by faith to do that. You would have received when you came in this little handout. It's called USERV, our volunteer fair. And in this, you'll see a number of different ministries here in our church. And there's a number of ministries here that need uh, a lot of help. Our summer camps, as, as Allison spoke about today, we need a lot of volunteers. Our tech team, our guest center, communications and online engagement, our worship team, children's ministry, counters, life group leaders, youth leaders, hospitality, Alpha, leaders for Alpha, the women's team, the seniors team, Toronto Alliance Church, Creative Arts, Master's Pantry, Sunday for the first impressions, our ushers, our greeters, our welcome desk, our pastoral care team, our prayer team, our facilities. So many things that need to be done around this, around this building as we talked about. Is there a way that you can use your gift to bless one another? So after the service today, the, the leaders uh, of, of these teams, they're going to be out on the lawn. So as you go out today... And before you get to your car, can I ask you just to stop by there and maybe talk with one or two of those leaders and explore and see the possibility of you serving in one of those areas? This is what it means to be part of the body of Christ. We are, through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we are baptized into one body. And friends, the body needs to be working. Every member in the body needs to be fulfilling his or her role within the body of Christ. The commission is great. Many people need to hear the gospel of Jesus. And it's not, and it can't be that some people are sitting on the sidelines. The spirit of God is poured out upon us and is giving us gifts. What are we doing with those gifts? How are we using those gifts? Can I encourage you, don't leave today without answering this question. What is the one gift that God has given to me that I'm using to bless others? And maybe get involved in a ministry today. It's our volunteer fair today. We'll do another one in the fall as well. But I just want to encourage you, don't sit on the sidelines. Don't be a spectator. But get involved in the work of the Lord. He has empowered you. He has poured out his spirit upon you. He has gifted you for a purpose. And lastly, the spirit empowers us to serve. Once he gives us these gifts, but he also empowers us to be able to serve. Whatever area of of service there is, all of these different things that are in that handout, it's not done alone. There's no way that I come up here and even just preach a message to you by myself. It's not done alone. I'm, part of, I'm just one member within this body of Christ that allows this to happen. Whether it's on a Sunday morning, whether it's a life group that meets during the week, if it's a, the children's ministry or, or, or a women's event or Alpha that's happening or Toronto Alliance Church or Master's Pantry, we don't do this alone. This is not a solo job. 
We need one another. We need to work together within the, within the body of Christ. In, in the early church, again, we're looking at just this time in the early church after the day of Pentecost, after the Spirit was poured out, there was some murmuring that was happening between the Greeks and the Jews, right? Now, this was just unique to that church. Like, no other church goes through this, right? Murmuring and complaining. Not, not at least here, Unionville Alliance Church, no murmuring and complaining goes on. So I know this example might not really hit home with you guys, right? Because we're, there's no murmuring and complaining going on here. But in the early church, it was happening, and then this is what, what, what Peter says, or the, the 12. They had a meeting together. So there was some murmuring that was going on. It says here, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers, and they said this. We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, and sis, brothers select seven men who are well-respected and are, what was the qualification here? Full of the spirit and wisdom. And we'll give them this responsibility. When we serve the Lord... We need to do it with the empowerment of the Spirit. This might sound funny to you, but I'm going to say it this way. When you come and clean a bathroom, do it through the empowerment of the Spirit. When you come and make some coffee in the morning to serve others as your gift of hospitality, do it through the empowerment of the Spirit. When you come to lead an alpha table and are talking with people about, about the Lord, do it through the empowerment of the Spirit. When you stand in the front there and as people come and you're greeting them and welcoming them into the house of the Lord, do it through the empowerment of the Spirit. In everything that we do, in every way that we serve the Lord, we do it through the empowerment of the Spirit. Friends, the Spirit of God wants to come upon us and give us life. The Spirit of God doesn't want us to be living just root Christian lives that are, that are not going forward, that are, are, are boring. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and they might have it abundantly. I want to give you, as I close today, I want to give you a compare and contrast between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between the Spirit of God coming down on Mount Sinai and the Spirit of God coming down on the day of Pentecost. I want you to see how, how different it was for the the people of God, the children of Israel, as they experienced the Holy Spirit at that time, and the 120 as they experienced the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So the children of Israel, they leave Egypt. They leave, they celebrate the Passover, symbolizes Jesus' death, right? His salvation for us, they are protected. They come, 50 days later, they come, and they're at Mount Sinai. And the Lord comes down upon Mount Sinai. The Spirit of God comes down upon Mount Sinai. But it's different, than when the Spirit of God comes down on the day of Pentecost. It comes down with lightning and thunder. He comes down and the people are, are, are scared of him. And the people say, is this the Lord? Well, if this is so, Moses, you go and talk to God. We'll do everything that you tell us to do, which they didn't. But you go and talk to God. We'll do everything he, you tell us to do. But we don't want to get close to the Lord. We want to stand further. We want to be further away. We want to be back. Put, put, put some protection for us. We can't come close to where the Spirit of God is. And they rebel and they start worshiping an idol. And finally, when Moses comes down the mountain, he sees what they've done. And the Levites come and they stand with Moses and they kill. Do you know how many people they kill? 3,000 people die. It's right after the law was given, right after the Ten Commandments was given. Now, fast forward 
to the day of Pentecost. It's no longer stay far away from us, God, but Holy Spirit, come and indwell me. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. God, I don't want you to be far away. I want you to be close to me. So close that you are inside of me. Empower me. I can't do this life far away. And when the spirit of God is poured out, Peter stands up and he preaches. Do you know how many people come to life that day? Life in Jesus, salvation, 3,000 people. Paul says it this way in Corinthians. He has enabled us to be ministers of this new covenant, this new covenant that God is making. This is the covenant not of written laws, but of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death. When the, when the law was given, that law ended in death. But under the new covenant, the covenant that we live by here because the spirit of God is poured out, because of the day of Pentecost, the spirit gives life. Worship team, please come. Friends, do you want to be under that old covenant that brings death? Or do you want to be part of that new covenant that brings life? Do you, want to, do you want to be like the children of Israel that says, God, you stay far away from me. You're too scary. Thunder, lightning. I can't take all of that. Or do you want to be part of this new covenant, part of the body of believers, part of, part of the body of Christ that says, I, I am now the temple of God because the spirit of God dwells within me. I am now the temple of God because the spirit of God is inside of me. I can have this sweet and close fellowship and communion with the living and true God daily, morning, noon, and night. And in between, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help us in time of need. Let's all stand. And, and as we sing this song, let's invite the Holy Spirit. Let, let's pray that ancient prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me empower me, change me, transform me, use me, and let's serve the living God.